Uh, Our theme this year for the church is, He is Greater Than I. And uh, and so right along with that series, uh, or our theme, we've started this series a couple weeks ago, uh, that Jesus is greater than everything. And uh, obviously we understand that. And so looking at some specific things that um, I believe that the devil can really try to discourage us and get us down that we, we need to look to the Lord in. And uh, last week we looked at fear, that Jesus is greater than fear. And uh, so many times the devil gets us to, to be afraid of things. And, and we understand that, that God's not afraid of anything. God has everything under control. And we just have to look to him and trust him. And uh, so this morning, we're kind of continuing our series of Greater Than. Uh, how many of you have ever made a mistake in your life? I'm just looking to see how many of you are really honest here, right? Um, how many of you have made a mistake that you wish you could go back and do over? Isn't that what a mistake is, right? I mean, if you didn't want to go back and do it over, it wouldn't be a mistake, right? I mean, most mistakes, it's like, oh, that was a mistake. I wish I could go back and do that over again. I was uh, reading about some mistakes, some very um, uh, catastrophic mistakes that have happened in, uh, in our world. Of course, you can go all the way through society and see those. But one just recently, uh, or I say recently, um, about 20-some years ago, in 1999, um, this, uh, this mistake cost about $125 million. That's a big mistake there, right? NASA lost its Mars Climate orbiter they lost it how do you lose something like that right well in 1999 engineers from Lockheed Martin who were working on this used the imperial system of measurement in designing one part of the orbit module the problem was the rest of NASA team used the metric system If you're not aware, the metric system and the imperial system are not the same. Uh, Very, very different. And so because of that, when they launched the the spacecraft, the the spacecraft's navigation system could not receive the correct coordination. And so as a result, it was lost forever and never found. (laughs) That's a big mistake there, right? There was another mistake that was made really for the benefit of America, we could say. But in 1867, uh, Russia decided to sell uh, some land mass that they thought was not very valuable. So they decided to sell Alaska, what we know as Alaska, to the United States at a mere two cents an acre. Two cents an acre. It cost America $7.2 million to purchase Alaska. However, this turned out to be one of the greatest mistakes in uh, Soviet history because in just 50 years, the U.S. was able to earn from Alaska more than 100 times what they had actually invested in its purchase. And today, if you were to, again, this is, if you were to purchase an acre at $100 an acre, if you were to purchase Alaska at $100 an acre today, Russia, or we paid $7.2 million. If you purchased it today at $100 an acre, it would be $37 billion today. That was a big mistake on their part, but we're very thankful for that, right? And uh, so mistakes happen. Uh, everyone makes mistakes. You know what we have all found out, though, in making mistakes? That none of us can go back and redo any of those mistakes. 
We can't go back. There's no way to go back and redo them. Now, we can definitely learn from them, but we cannot redo them. Some of those mistakes that we have made may have even caused a complete change to our life. Uh, It could be very, very drastic mistakes that we have made. But do you know what you'll find in Scripture? Every person, every person throughout Scripture, but one, of course, Jesus Christ himself, but every person that we read about made mistakes. There's not one person in Scripture other than Jesus himself who did not make a mistake. You're in good company, right? They all made mistakes, every single one. But here's what, here's what the devil wants you to think, though. Because you've made mistakes, then God can't use you. Because you've made mistakes, God doesn't love you. Because you've made mistakes, you're just out of it, and God doesn't care anything about you. Do you know that that is, or that there isn't a lie that's any greater than that, that the devil tries to tell us? And and here's why. Because every person has made mistakes throughout, from, from the very first person that was ever created till today, every person has made mistakes, and yet the Bible still says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, That whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. All the mistakes that have ever been made, that you and I have made and that the world has made, that every single person has made, and yet God says he still loves us. Now, you tell me how any mistake that you've ever made can change God's love for you. How can any mistake that we make change God's love when he was willing to send his son to die on the cross for you when he already knew all the mistakes that you'd ever make? He knew every mistake that you're ever going to make. He knows every mistake that you're still going to make. And yet he still sent his son to die on the cross for your sin and for my sin. You see, we think mistakes define who we are. Or at least that's how the devil tries to make us think. Mistakes define who we are. And therefore, if you've made mistakes, then God doesn't love you. God doesn't want you. God can't use you. And that's the biggest lie that we can really believe. I want us to look at four mistakes this morning that we're going to find in Scripture that I believe are still being made today. Four mistakes that are being made. But we're going to see how Jesus is greater than our mistakes. Because if, if, we are, if we're going to let ourselves be defined by our mistakes, we're in for a rough go of it. But if we'll look that, and see how Jesus is greater than our mistakes, it can really change our life. I want you to open your Bibles to the book of 2 Samuel chapter 11. 2 Samuel chapter 11. We're going to look at four different individuals this morning, four different mistakes But we're going to see what all of these mistakes have in common and then how or what we need to do so that Jesus is greater than our mistakes. So the first one we're going to look at this morning is the mistakes of the flesh. The mistakes of the flesh. In 2 Samuel chapter 11, we'll begin reading in verse number 1. And it came to pass after the year was expired at the time when kings go forth to battle that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel and they destroyed the children of Ammon and besieged Reba. But David tarried still at Jerusalem 
And it came to pass in an evening tide that David arose from off his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman washing herself, and the woman was very beautiful to look upon. And David sent and inquired after the woman, and one said, Is not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? So think with me, we have David here, and instead of David being where he was supposed to be, as kings would go out to battle, the king was, usually would go out with his troops and maybe not be in the battle, but he would at least be out there with them. But instead, for whatever reason, this time, David decides he's not going to go out to battle. He's going to stay back at Jerusalem. He's not going to be where he's supposed to be. He's going to just stay home. He's just going to stay at home. And while he's at home, the Bible tells us that he saw something that he should not have seen. Again, because he wasn't where he was supposed to be. And so because of that, he saw something he shouldn't have seen, and instead of just walking away, he allowed his flesh to control him. The Bible tells us, and I think we're all familiar with this passage of Scripture, that the Bible tells us how David commits adultery with Bathsheba. And even when David began to inquire, notice what was said of him, uh, of Bathsheba. Is not this Bathsheba the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? So this was not just some innocent mistake that happens. David knew that this was another man's wife. He knew this was another man's wife. But instead of walking away and saying, hey, that goes against God. I'm not going to do this. David allows his flesh to control him. He sins. He commits adultery with Bathsheba. And then to try to hide it and cover it up, he has her husband murdered. Uriah is murdered to try to cover this sin, this mistake that he had made. Now, obviously, we understand that, and, and when you think of David's life, there, there are several things that, that really come to mind. When you think of David, you think of David and Goliath, right? David and Goliath, how he was able to stand up there and, and face Goliath, and he killed Goliath. And, and we think of David conquering many, many different things. But one of the th- mistakes that David made is something that many times we always think about. David's sin with Bathsheba, the sin of the flesh. But here's one of the things that we find. Jesus is greater than that mistake that David made in his flesh. Because later on in the book of Acts chapter 13, God says of David that he raised up David to be their king. And this is what God says of David, a man after mine own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. Now think about it here, David has already made this mistake, David's already committed adultery, he's already uh, committed murder, but yet God says, here's a man that is a man after my own heart. That's a pretty powerful thing for God to say about someone who's made a huge mistake like that. Why? Because Jesus is greater than the mistakes that we've made. And many times we can, we can allow this mistake of the flesh or the sin of the flesh to control us. Uh, and it's unfortunate today in, in our society in Asia today how this is just so rampant in our society. This just whatever your flesh desires, whatever your flesh wants, just do it. Uh, it doesn't matter if it's uh, immorality or adultery or pornography or whatever it might be. It's just whatever you want, just do it. And we allow our flesh to control But here's the thing, let me tell you this morning, you don't have to be defined by your mistakes. 
So many times we, we allow ourselves and the devil to define and say, hey, you've made mistakes. You're, you've made so many mistakes. God cannot love you. God cannot use you. God doesn't care about you. But yeah, here was a man that made two huge mistakes simply because of his flesh. He commits adultery and he commits murder. And yet, because Jesus is greater than our mistakes, God says, here's a man after my own heart. I want you to notice a second mistake. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26. We see David in the mistake of the flesh, but I want you to look at Peter in the mistake of pride. In Matthew chapter 26, notice in verse number 33. And Peter answered and said unto him, Though all men should be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended. So get the picture here. Jesus has just told the disciples that he's going to be crucified. And in just a short period of time, that the disciples are going to be offended and the disciples are going to run away. And Peter says, no, no, Lord, not me. No, no, though all men should be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended. Jesus said unto him, verily, I say to thee that this night... Before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And Peter said unto him, Though I should die with thee, yet will I not deny thee. Likewise also said all the disciples. What's the problem? Peter thought he was somebody. I mean, Peter thought he was somebody. I mean, he thought he was the self-appointed spokesman for the disciples. I mean, Peter, I mean, he's the big fisherman. He's always the one doing all the talking. He's always the one putting his foot in his mouth too, by the way. I mean, he's just, he, he, is, he thinks he is the self-appointed leader of the disciples. I mean, think about it. He was one of the first ones called by Jesus. He was one of the original ones. I mean, it was Peter and Andrew and then James and John. I mean, he was one of the first ones called by Jesus. He was one of the three that saw Jesus transfigured. On the Mount of Transfiguration. Only one of three. He was the only one who walked on water. Not very long, but hey, he did it. No, none of the other ones did it. He walked on water. I mean, he really thought he was somebody. So when Jesus tells Peter that all the disciples would flee that night, I mean, think about it. Look, look, look what he says here. Peter answered and said, Though all men should be offended. Who are these people that he's talking about being offended? the other disciples. And so Peter is saying, Lord, I just want you to know, you see all these other guys here? I'm not like them. They'll probably all leave, but I won't. I won't leave. I will never be offended because of you. And can you just see, I mean, Peter, he's got a big mouth. I mean, can you just see him kind of looking down his nose at all of them? Like, how dare you people be offended by Jesus? I can't believe Jesus is saying this about you. But remember, Jesus said all of you would. But Peter's like, no, no, Lord, not me. And then Jesus goes a step further and says, tonight you're going to deny me three times. And Peter says, <laughs> oh, you got it all wrong, Lord. Can you imagine calling Jesus a liar? That, that's what he did. Peter said to him, though I should die with you, yet will I not deny thee. Lord, you don't know what you're talking about. You're a liar. You just need to be quiet because I will never be offended and I will not deny you. You think Peter was a little filled with pride? 
Peter had a pride problem. He was so full of pride. And then, of course, later on, we find in, uh, um, at the end of verse number 56 here, it says, when they finally came and arrested him, notice what happened. Then all the disciples forsook him and fled. It didn't say 11 of them or it didn't say, you know, 10 of them or uh, everybody but Peter. No, no, it said all of them. Why? Because Peter was included. Peter forsook. He left. And in verse number 69 through 74 is the account of when Peter denies Jesus three times. But later it says in verse 75, as after Peter has denied him, it says, when Peter remembered the word of Jesus, which said unto him, before the cock crow thou shalt deny me thrice. And he went out and wept bitterly. What was Peter's mistake? He was filled with pride. He was filled with pride. So full of pride, thinking that he was better than the other disciples. And I know there, there's probably people thinking, well, you know, I don't, I don't have that problem. I don't have the problem of pride. Can I tell you, that's pride that's saying that. That's, that's pride. Well, I'm not like everybody else. I, you know, I don't, I mean, I've made some mistakes, but my mistakes haven't been as big as other people's mistakes. I mean, I've made some mistakes, but not like that person that I know sitting over there. Not like this person at work. Not like my neighbor over here. What, what is it? That's pride. We're doing exactly the same thing that Peter did. Well, you know, everybody else might be offended, but I'll never be offended, Lord. Other people might deny you. I will not deny you. You see, many times we can be so full of pride and we can make that mistake that we begin to be lifted up in pride. It's a mistake. It's sin. But here's the thing that's really wonderful about this is Jesus is greater than the mistake that Peter made. Jesus is greater than the mistake of pride. Because here's what happens. Later, after Jesus' resurrection, as the women come to the tomb, he says, go your way, tell the disciples and Peter. Tell the disciples and Peter that he goeth before you into Galilee, and there shall ye see him as he said unto you. Man, Jesus said, I want you to know, Peter, yeah, you were filled with pride, but I want you to know, Peter, I still want to use you. Just like he told David, David, you've sinned and you've committed adultery and you've committed murder, but David, I still want to use you if you'll let me. Peter, yeah, you're so full of pride, but if you'll just humble yourself and you'll just let me use you, I still want to use you. Hey, go tell the disciples and make sure you tell Peter that he's not out of this yet. You know, the devil makes us think, hey, you messed up. You're gone. You're out. Jesus doesn't care about you. You're not welcome anymore. <laughs> I'm glad Jesus said, go tell the disciples and make sure you tell Peter too. Make sure that Peter knows that I still care about him. I know he's the one that denied me. I know he's the one that left when he said he wouldn't. I know he's the one that basically said, I'm a liar, but I just want to tell you, hey, make sure you tell Peter I'm not done with him. Tell him I'm coming. And I want him to be there. You see, Jesus is greater than our mistakes. What about a third mistake? Acts chapter 13. We find the mistake of the flesh. The mistake of pride. But in Acts chapter 13, we find the mistake of walking away. The mistake of walking away. In Acts chapter 13, we have a great passage here on the church of Antioch. The church of Antioch was the church that sent out the first missionaries. Jerusalem was the first church. Jerusalem should have been the church sending out the missionaries, but the problem was Jerusalem decided they weren't going to be obedient to God's command. And so Jerusalem just said, hey, we're just going to reach the Jews. We're not going to go to the uttermost parts of the world. 
And so persecution comes in and they are being scattered around and you have the church in Antioch starting and the church of Antioch says, hey, we need to be obedient to what God says and we need to, we need to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And so they send out some missionaries. They send out who we know to be Barnabas and, uh, and, 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 uh, and Paul or Saul of Tarsus, Barnabas and Saul. And we think, well, those were the two that went out. But many times what would happen is these men would go, there would be others that would go with them. Uh, many times you find along with Paul or whoever he's with, there would be others like Luke would be with him or Trophimus or Tychicus or Timothy or some others with him along the journey there. And on this first missionary journey, we find it not only was Paul and Barnabas, uh, but there were some others along with them. And one of those was a young man by the name of John Mark. And John Mark went along on this missionary journey and had gone with them. But uh, in, uh, in uh, uh, Paphos, they began to see some persecution and, uh, and opposition, opposition from, from the devil. And it says in verse number 13, Now when Paul and his companion loosed from Paphos, they came to Perga in Pamphylia, and John, or John Mark, departed from them, returned to Jerusalem. So they're on this missionary journey. They're, they're out there to start churches. They're out there to see people saved. And all of a sudden, John Mark says, hey, I'm going home. What are you doing, John? Where, where, are, you, where are you going? I, I'm, just, I'm, I'm, I'm just done. I'm walking away. I'm going home. Now, for whatever reason, he decides to walk away. We're not given a specific reason here. Maybe he thought it was just too hard. They just experienced some persecution, some opposition to the gospel message. And maybe John Mark said, hey, wait a minute. If there's going to be persecution and opposition, I, I don't think I can be a part of this. Maybe he was just thinking about his, his old lifestyle. Maybe he was uh, uh, saying, hey, this just wasn't what I imagined serving Jesus to be. I thought, man, when I serve Jesus, everything's just going to be smooth sailing. Right? I mean, when I decided to serve Jesus, I thought Jesus was going to take care of everything and everything was just going to go absolutely perfect in life. I'm not sure where he got that idea. <laughs> and sometimes Christians get that idea. Well, if, hey, if, I, if, I'm, if I'm a Christian, that, nothing should ever go wrong. I should never have financial problems. I should never have health problems. I should never have physical problems. I should never have any problems because I'm serving Jesus. Well, you ought to go back and read the Bible <laughs> because you're going to find that most people that serve Jesus have problems. They have difficulties. We're not exempt from problems in life just because we're serving Jesus. Not only do we have to deal with the problems of life, but many times we also have to deal with the opposition as well to the gospel. And so whatever the reason, John Mark says, hey, I'm done. I'm going home. And sometimes we can get discouraged and we want to walk away. We can get discouraged and be like, you know, this just isn't going the way I thought it was. You know, I, I, I'm at work, I'm trying to be a witness, but people are making fun of me at work. You know, the, my neighbors, I try to tell them and they, they cuss me out and, you know, whatever. And, and so we think, well, this is just, uh, this is just too hard. That This opposition is here and, and I don't think I want to be a part of this. And we can get discouraged and just decide to, to just walk away. Or maybe it's, man, I, I, see the, my, I see my old lifestyle and it seems like, you know, that, that was a lot easier back there. So maybe I should just walk away and, and go back to what I was doing before. And John Mark walked away. But can I tell you that Jesus is greater than the mistake of walking away? 
He's greater than that. Because later on in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 11, Paul says, bring John Mark. He says, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. John Mark, says, Paul says, hey, he is profitable. Uh, something happened in his life and, and, and he was able to be profitable again. Not only was he profitable to Paul in the ministry, but think about this. Jesus uses him to pen one of the gospel records. When we look at the gospel of, according to Matthew and Mark and Luke and John, the gospel according to Mark is penned and written by this very guy that walked away. We could say, well, hey, you know, I've walked away. I, I just, I've gotten too far away from the Lord. I just don't think I could ever get back. Wait a minute. Jesus is greater than that mistake. And if Jesus can take a man like John Mark who's walked away and said, hey, I'm done. I'm going home. And yet still later use him to pen one of the gospel records. Can I tell you, he's greater than any mistake you can make. He's greater than those mistakes. I want you to notice the fourth mistake here. There's a mistake of the flesh, the mistake of pride, the mistake of walking away, but there's also mistakes that we actually thought were right. Have you ever done something that you thought was actually the right thing to do? And then later on, looking back, you're like, wow, that was a big mistake. I mean, we thought at the time it was the right thing. But then later on, we began to realize, boy, that, that was a big mistake. In Acts chapter 9, we read of a man that kind of had that same scenario happen to him. In Acts chapter 9, there's a man by the name of Saul, Saul of Tarsus. And the Bible says, Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. Think about this. Here's Saul of Tarsus. And Saul is doing what he thinks is right. He thinks that how he is serving God is the right way. I mean, he's doing everything he's been taught as a religious person, as a Pharisee, and, and now being even having the high priest's authority to go out. And, and he's heard of these people called Christians. He's heard of these people that are following this man by the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And these people are, they're, they're promoting sedition and, and they're turning people away from Judaism. And so these people can't be right. These people have to be dealt with. And the Bible says that he would take men and women and he would take them and put them into prison simply for following Jesus. And he would accuse them. He would bring accusations against them so that they would be either imprisoned for life or that they would be beaten or even some of them even killed. Remember, he was the one that stood there and gave assent for the martyr of Stephen. Here's a man that was doing what he thought was right. Until we find in Acts chapter 9 on the way to Damascus. That as he journeyed he came near Damascus and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell on the earth and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. He says, man, here he's, he's persecuting this Jesus of Nazareth. He's persecuting these followers. And then God shows himself to him there on the road to Damascus. And he says, who are you? And he says, Paul, let me tell you something. I'm the one you're persecuting. You've made a big mistake, man. I'm talking a big mistake. But he thought he was doing right. 
He thought he was doing the right thing until the Lord said, hey, Paul, let me tell you something. You've made a big mistake here. The, the people that you're throwing in jail, those men and women, he's, and this is what Jesus says, who, who art thou? And he says, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. He said, you're persecuting me. The Lord, God, the very one that you think you're serving, you thought you were doing what was right, but he says, you're actually persecuting me. You're persecuting. But you know, Jesus is even greater than those mistakes. He's even greater than the mistakes that maybe we thought were even the right ones. Because later in verse number 15, Jesus says of Paul as he's speaking to Ananias here, he says, but the Lord said unto him, go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me. Now, let's, let's just stop here for a second. If there's anybody, I mean, David, yeah, he committed adultery, committed murder. Peter, filled with pride. Mark, walked away. But I mean, if there's anybody whose mistake should be like, this disqualifies somebody from God's love, it ought to be Saul. I mean, he's persecuting the Lord Jesus. He's taking men and women who are simply trying to follow Jesus and he's putting them in jail and, and accusing them and, and killing them. If anybody's mistake ought to be able to say, that, that draws a line, that crosses it, you cannot be forgiven, you can't have God's love, it ought to be Saul. And what did Jesus just say? Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. You know what Jesus said? Hey, I am greater than any mistake you can ever make. It doesn't matter even if it's a mistake that you think is right at the time. Jesus said, I want you to know, Paul, I'm greater than any mistake you could ever make. And just because you might think that you're worthless, just because you might think, well, I've made too many mistakes, Jesus can never forgive all the mistakes that I've made. Let me tell you something. Jesus said, you are a chosen vessel. There's no mistake too great that he cannot forgive. There's no mistake too great that he is not greater than. He's greater than any mistake that we could ever make in our life. He's greater than each of these mistakes. Whether it's the flesh, whether it's pride, whether it's just simply walking away saying, hey, I'm done, or even whether it's, I didn't even know I was making a mistake. And let's be honest, we, we can't even go back and remember all the mistakes that we've ever made. We've made so many mistakes, we can't even remember them all. You know what Jesus says? I want you to know I'm greater than all of them. I'm greater than any mistake and every mistake that you could ever make or that you ever will make. I'm greater than them all. So what can we learn from these men? Because they all made mistakes. But yet we found in each of their lives that Jesus was greater than the mistakes that they made. So how, does, how do you go from being an, uh, an adulterer and a murderer to being a man after God's own heart? How do you go from being a, a Peter so filled with pride that 40 days later you stand up and preach and 3,000 people get saved? How does that happen? How do you go from being a guy that walked away from the Lord, he walked away from ministry, to being able to be one that pinned one of the gospel records of Jesus Christ? How do you go from a guy that was persecuting the church and, and persecuting Christians to now being what we would consider the greatest apostle that has ever lived? How does that happen? Well, let's look. Because each of them say something that we can learn from. Watch this. 
If we're going to go from our mistakes here not defining us to what Jesus has for us because he's greater than our mistakes, this is what we've got to learn. Notice the first thing. We have to be willing to admit our mistakes. What did, what did Paul do, Saul, on the road to Damascus when the Lord appeared to him? He said, hey, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is I, the Lord Jesus, that you persecuted. And what does Saul say? Look in verse number six. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? He admitted his mistake. He said, I have been wrong. I have been doing the wrong thing. Lord, you're right. I have been wrong. This is a huge mistake. I, I didn't recognize it. I, I wasn't intentionally doing it. It was a mistake that I thought was right. But Lord, you're right. I was wrong. You see, if we're not willing to admit our mistakes, we can never be the person that God wants us to be. David committed adultery. David committed murder. But yet, David wrote a whole psalm about his admitting that he was wrong. He admitted, his, he admitted he was wrong. Peter admits he's wrong. John Mark admits he's wrong. All of them admitted there was a time when they realized and recognized, I am wrong in this. I have sinned against God. They admitted their mistake. And then secondly, we find not only did they admit their mistake, but they truly repented. There was a true repentance. Think about it back when we looked at, at Peter that last verse there, after Peter remembered the words of the Lord, the Bible says that Peter went out and wept bitterly. That, that idea is not just, a, oh, I'm so sorry about what I did. No, there is a complete brokenness here. There is an absolute brokenness in what he had done. There was a repentance here. And that's why even when, when, when Jesus said, hey, go tell the disciples, hey, I want you to tell Peter too because I know he's truly repented and, and he doesn't think he's worth it. He doesn't think he's valuable anymore. He doesn't think that he can be used, but I want you to make sure you go and tell him that I still want him. What happened with David? David committed adultery. David committed murder, but he repented. He repented of his sin. What is Repentance. We get this idea, well, repentance is just saying, I'm sorry, and asking forgiveness. No, that's not what repentance is. And that's why many times we struggle with our mistakes over and over and over and over. We don't get victory over the mistake of the flesh. We don't get victory over the mistake of pride. We don't get victory over these things because we're not truly repentant. Oh, we may admit that we did wrong, but are we truly repentant? Because repentance is not just saying sorry. Repentance is saying, hey, yes, I have done wrong and I see that this is sin. This is not the way God wants me to go. And I'm going to turn away from that and I'm going to turn to the Lord Jesus Christ and I'm going to leave that behind and I'm going to follow the Lord. And that's what so many times is our problem. We, we say, oh yeah, I made a mistake, but you know what? And I'm sorry I made the mistake, but I'm not willing to repent of it. I'm not willing to follow the Lord because I'm still enjoying the mistake that I made. And there's no repentance there. You see, each of these men not only had to admit their mistake, but they had to truly repent. Saul repents. John Mark repents. David repents. Peter repents. Can I ask you this morning, are you willing to repent? You say, I'm a Christian, I'm saved. Uh, so were all of these men. They were saved. David believed God. David was a, a saved man. Peter was a disciple of Christ. John Mark was on the missionary journey. 
You look at Paul's life, many times, even after Paul's conversion, he says, hey, I, I don't do the things that I know I should do, and I do the things that I know I shouldn't do. He still made mistakes. But they were willing to admit their mistakes, and they were willing to repent of them. The Bible says that godly sorrow worketh true repentance. As God begins to work and convict, we'll truly recognize this is not what God wants, and we will put that aside and turn from it and leave it behind. And See, that's, what's, that's what I believe is, is the holdup in many Christians' lives. We're not truly willing to repent. We're sorry we made the mistake. We're sorry we got caught, but we're not willing to repent and truly leave it behind and follow Jesus. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry, I'm prideful, Lord. Well, then why don't you repent? You know why? Pride. Pride's keeping you from repenting. Pride's keeping you from leaving that because you still want to hold on to it. You still want to enjoy it. But here's the thing. Jesus is greater. He's greater than our mistakes. If we will admit our mistake, if we'll truly repent. But notice the third thing here, and this is, this is, just, this is just awesome, and we've seen this in all of these different ones. In, back in, in 2 Timothy, when Paul talks about bringing John Mark, he says something. He says, I want you to bring John Mark. And this is what he says. For he is profitable to me for the ministry. John Mark had walked away, but here's what John Mark had to do. He had to make a decision. Yes, I've made a mistake. Yes, I'm truly repentant of it. But here's the thing. Will I get back in? Will I get back in or am I going to stay out? Will I get back in and serve the Lord or am I just going to stay out of it? And here's the decision John Mark made. He said, I'm going to get back in. I'm going to get back in. I know, I've, I, I, know I walked away. I know I messed up. But there was a man that came alongside of John Mark by the name of Barnabas that began to encourage him and help him. And later on, Paul says, hey, I want you to tell you something. That guy, John Mark, he is profitable to me. I want you to bring him, not only for me, but also for the ministry. He's profitable and not only that, God's going to use him to, to write one of the gospel records. Why? Because he was willing to get back in. You know, so many times it's like, well, I'm just, you know, I just, I, I walked away. I just, you know, and I'm sorry I walked away, but I just don't think I can get back in. Why not? John Mark did. John Mark walked away. John Mark caused some really strong division in, in the church of Antioch. But you know what? John Mark realized his mistake and he repented of it. And he said, hey, I've got to get back in. I've got to keep serving the Lord. There's nothing greater than serving God. It doesn't matter if it's in Antioch. It doesn't matter if it's serving Paul. It doesn't matter if it's, if it's writing down what the Lord tells me to do. I've got to get back in. Don't stay out. Get in and serve the Lord. That's what he wants us to do. Think about it. David, and after his adultery and things, he repented. He, he got back in. He said, God, I, I want to build a temple for you. I want to I build a house that's going to glorify the name of God. Peter got back in. He quit. And God said, hey, make sure you tell Peter. Make sure you don't forget Peter. One day, Peter preaches that 3,000 3, people get saved. A week later, he preaches 5,000 people get saved. You know what Peter did? He got back in. Don't stay out. Get in. Serve the Lord. Hey, Jesus is greater than that mistake. And here's what's great. Not only did they admit their mistake and they repented and they got back in, but watch what he says about David. He says, I know that David is a man after my own heart, and this is what he says, which shall fulfill all my will. Here's the fourth thing, fourth thing we learn. 
Just be obedient to God. Just be obedient to God. You say, what, what is God going to have me do? I don't know and you don't know. But just do it. Just do whatever it is. All of these men were very, very different men. David was a king. Peter was a fisherman. John Mark was just a young man here. Paul was a religious leader. They're all different. But they all said, you know what? We need to obey God. Whatever God says, we need to obey it. And there's going to be times when you're you're reading and you're listening and you're seeking God and God's going to say, this is what I want you to do. And you'll be like, I don't understand. I don't understand that, God. I don't know. I don't understand why I should do that. It's all right. You don't have to understand. Just trust God. Just trust him and be obedient to him. Just do it. Get in and follow God. This is what David, God says about David. He's not a man after my own heart and he will fulfill all my will. I wonder if God could say that about us. Could God say that we fulfill all his will? That if God tells us to do anything, that God says, I know he's going to do it. If I tell him, he's going to do it. Even in, when David was trying to build the temple and he's trying to build this, this place to honor God, God says, David, I'm sorry, I can't have you build it. David didn't be like, well, if I can't build it, then I'm just gonna... No, David said, well, if I can't build it, I'm going to make the preparations for it. If I, God, that's, okay, you say I can't build it, fine. Then I'm just going to make sure everything is ready for whoever can build it so that everything's ready for them. I'm just going to do whatever I can to serve you, Lord. Whatever I can, I just want to be obedient to you, even if it meant not doing something. You see, all of these men made mistakes. And every single one of us make mistakes. And the devil tries to get us to think that your mistakes define who you are. But they don't. Because Jesus is greater than our mistakes. He's greater than any mistake you can ever make. You say, you don't understand. You don't know my life. You don't know what I've done. That's all right. I don't have to because I know somebody who's greater than any of those things you've ever done. His name is Jesus. And he wants to use you. Now, here's the thing. Can I say this this morning? The greatest mistake that you can ever make is rejecting Jesus Christ as your Savior. But here's the wonderful thing about it. Jesus is greater than that mistake. Jesus has died on the cross for your sin. And he says if you will come by faith and put your trust in him, he can forgive all of that sin. And he'll save you. Give you a home in heaven. But you know what you have to do? You have to admit your mistake. You have to repent of your sin. And you have to get in. You have to be willing to trust him instead of trusting yourself. Christian, have we allowed mistakes to define who we are? Oh, the devil loves that. He loves to do that to us. You've made so many mistakes, God doesn't care about you. You've made so many mistakes, God doesn't love you anymore. You've disappointed God. Look, friend, I never did anything to make God happy with me because I was a lost sinner. He died on the cross when I was already in my sins. He loved me before I ever loved him. What can you do to disappoint him? Well, I've just messed up. 
That's okay. Admit you've messed up. Repent of it. Turn to him. He's greater than any mistake you can ever make. These men that we've looked at, if, if we were God, we would have wiped them off. We'd be like, nope, you're not going to use David anymore. Murderer, adulterer. Nope, not going to use Peter. Proud person. Always speaking. Never willing to shut up. Always putting his foot in. I'm not going to use Peter anymore. Why would I use Peter to see great things happen for God? John Mark, you walk away. You walk away from me, son. You think I'm going to use you again? Paul, you persecuting me? Why, why would I even save you? You're persecuting me. You're persecuting the people that are following me. Why would I even save you? I'm glad Jesus isn't like us. I'm glad Jesus is greater than our mistakes. I wonder whether our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Every head bowed, every eye closed. No one looking about this morning. I wonder maybe this morning there might be someone that you would say, Pastor, I've made some mistakes. And I thought because of the mistakes that I've made that I, Jesus could not forgive me. I thought because of all the mistakes that I've made that Jesus could not love me. That God would not care about me. But this morning you say, Pastor, if Jesus is greater than my mistakes. This morning, I want to put my faith and trust in him. Maybe there's somebody this morning, you say, Pastor, that's me. I thought I was hopeless. I thought I'd made too many mistakes. But if Jesus is willing to forgive my sin, I want to put my faith and trust in him today. Is there somebody like that this morning? You just raise your hand and put it right back down. Pastor, pray for me. That's me. I want to know Jesus as my Savior. I want to have my sins forgiven. If Jesus is truly greater, then I want to know how to receive him as my Savior. Would you just slip your hand up and put it right back down? Nobody else is looking about. Pastor, would you pray for me? And Christian, what about you? Have you allowed the devil to make you think that because of the mistakes that you've made that somehow God doesn't care about you anymore? That God can't use you? You've disappointed him? Oh, friend, Jesus is greater than any mistake you can ever make. And if you'll come to him and admit you've made the mistake and repent of it, get back in and do what he says. God says he, he has something for you. He wants to use you. There's no mistake that you've made that is too great for Jesus Christ to forgive. You have to make that decision. What will it be? Father, I pray that you'd work in our hearts this morning. Lord, so many times we allow the devil to discourage us, to make us think that we've made too many mistakes. We can't be used by you. Made so many mistakes, you can't love us. You can't save me, Lord. I just, too many mistakes. Lord, would we recognize and realize this morning that you're greater than any mistake that we can ever make. And if we'll just come to you, admit it, repent of it, and turn to you, Lord, just like each of these men, 
that we saw this morning, you can use us to bring glory and honor to you even though we've made so many mistakes. Father, would you work in our life this morning? In Jesus' name we pray, amen.